Hey, hey. What's up? What's up, man? So uh, you're a signed artist now, huh? Actually, I am. Yep. So what happens next? Three weeks of mastering, four weeks of prepping for production, then the release. Wow. How many songs is it? <laughs> Just one? Just one so far, yeah. They're going to... iTunes or something for as an EP or something. Yeah, yeah, they want to hear what what other stuff I've got. And then, how long do you think it'll be before you do like a full album? I don't know, man. Um, you know, I've got a ton of material, but a lot of it only I'd listen to. You know, I don't, I don't think it's release worthy. I mean, I'm. I was surprised they were interested in that one track because it's it's like uh, it's electronica, you know, some breakbeat yeah. breakbeat stuff. It's something I I did to enter a contest. I didn't win the contest, but I got signed. Uh, oh, that's pretty cool, though. Yeah, yeah. I was hoping to win that contest, man. This dude was giving away twenty seven k worth of. Uh, software and hardware a lot of it I already had but still it would have been nice heck yeah yeah when i was uh um and when i deployed to uh iraq so you you don't go straight into iraq you go to cutter before they you go into theater from there and then coming back home, you go from Baghdad to Qatar to uh, await the rotator to come back home. So I spent like a week there. You know, and that, there's a lot of people there. And so the base is called Al-Udeed. Mm -hmm. They were having a talent show. Uh, it'd been going on for weeks and weeks and weeks, but I I didn't know, you know, I, I was just happened to get there. So one day I was walking across the compound and that like ESPN came in and built this huge stage with a backstage like uh, room, you know, uh, rehearsal room and everything. Yeah. And then they had a sports bar and a big giant cover over the whole thing. And that's mm -hmm. where whenever tr uh, bands and stuff go to entertain the troops, you know, they, they play at this venue. So uh, I was walking across the compound. I heard these guys in there practicing, and I went in there just to listen to them. And I wound up sitting in on bass with the oh, band. Right. And the guy who was the main uh, singer, and he was playing piano and keyboards and everything, he had won a contest like that. Mm. And he did a gospel song and won this contest that a, a recording studio that was just opening. And the grand prize was to make a video, like a documentary of the song mm -hmm. and the recording of it. And then they released the song uh, that was done in that studio. Man, it was pretty good. He, he was a pretty talented guy, but he had won that contest and everything. Yeah. So uh, so he's like, hey, man, you know, we're playing uh, tomorrow night. Uh, and I think it was on like a Thursday. He's like, we're playing Saturday night in this talent show. You want to? 
sit in on bass? And I was like, sure. Little did I know that it had been going on for weeks and weeks, and it was down to the final three acts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we won the whole thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. And we played, uh, we played two songs. We played uh, a Black Eyed Peas song, mm-hmm. and then we played that song, that gospel song that he wrote, and uh, we won the, the whole thing. So <laughs> well, we didn't get any money or anything. It was like... It was like services bucks, like two hundred dollars in services bucks that you could only spend at the BX and everything. You know, that kind of. Cra- but it still is pretty cool to win the the talent show. It was called the Deeds Got Talent. <laughs> How you did it? It was pretty cool. That's cool. But yeah, man, that guy was. Uh, he was a good songwriter, really good songwriter. Yeah. yeah. But that was their grand prize. I think it'd be cooler to win equipment, you know, like mm-hmm. this than, uh, but to have your song, that's still pretty cool to get a deal. With yeah. What's yeah. the record label deal? What's, the, What's their name? Yeah, like their Team Mojo Heads. And do they uh, produce a lot of music or is it pretty indie? I would say it's kind of indie. Yeah. Um, but they're kind of well known in the uh, as a springboard label, you know, kind of a a place to get noticed. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Do they produce a lot of electronica? Other like the the band that won was it? It was totally electronica. Yeah, I mean it was yeah. uh, lots of samples, lots of the guy did good. I mean. He put more vocal samples in, you know, that random yeah. vocal stuff. You buy vocal yeah. packs and it's some black girl singing some lyrics to some song or to no song. Just yeah. no royalties or anything like that. Foley, which is cool. I use it too. Yeah. Apple has a lot of loops like that too, vocal loops like that. I've played around with some of them. They're, it's pretty, yeah. pretty cool. That, that ro- those royalty-free vocal loops mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is them just singing random shit there. So you have to, it's not like <laughs> you have to hunt around so much to find something that fits. It fits, right. Yeah. Yeah. Or else go into it saying, I'm going to take this and specifically write something around this vocal loop or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's cool though. I've been playing with some loops this week. I didn't, see, Ableton doesn't have a, much of a loop library at all. In fact, I don't think they have one at all. I think you have to purchase. They get you there that way. Go to the Ableton store and purchase products from within the app. So I haven't been doing that. But I have been doing more with the uh, AI stuff. I, uh, Those drums, man, the, they sound... That, that, that's the one downfall. I, I mean, I could probably find, like, you know, like uh, plugins and stuff and mm-hmm. really work on it, but um being able to take a uh a, a drum track that actually sounds like somebody you know that instead of not just being so monotonous of the same thing over and over and over right that's what the, i really like about the stuff you're doing man it has a lot of variety in the drum well i change it up a lot it's not the drums aren't ai um a lot of them are live sessions that that i, I have purchased some packs but um 
then a lot then a lot of it is just packs that were converted to MIDI, and then I I just take them and then I put them in whatever drum plugin I like the most. I've got some drums that are they sound like punk. I got some that sound like garage, and I got some that sound like death blast beat stuff, hellhammer beats. You know that skank beat. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Black metal. Yeah, I've been I've been enjoying that. Yeah. Well, that one track, man, they sounded like sounded like Tool. The, the drum on that was like very complex. Appreciate it. Well, another thing you can do is is you can um, you can set the meter in Reason. I don't, you might can do it in Ableton, but it 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 will literally splice up everything into the correct meter. You can set it in. I, I've been playing with seven four time and five four time a lot, and um, and and all of the work, <clears throat> all the MIDI files that I'll import will just be whoosh, immediately spliced up and, and arranged, quantized, for um, yeah. For that meter yeah that apple has the uh, logic has that too where you can do the you know, flexi time is what they call it the, oh, okay the, okay the quant it takes it and as an ai drummer like it'll have it gives them names like you know like rob and dan and doug and all this shit but they represent different styles so you'll have like a 70s rock drummer a pop drummer funk drummer all this stuff and it's pretty cool like uh so it'll have a grid and on one side is the complexity and the other is the volume mm -hmm. so you could have it where you have a very complex you know like this really strong drummer you could mm -hmm. go down to where it's very minimal just really soft stuff yeah, yeah. And, and everything in between you know yeah so you uh, pick your drummer style and then you go in and play with that. But it'll like, if you record your session first with like a click track mm -hmm. and then you go back and add the A drum. So it really helps though to divide it up. So you want to break up your song into segments. So like you'll map out, have the intro and then I'll have the first verse and then I'll have a bridge and then a chorus. And you set all that so that the drummer actually changes from section to section so then when all you have to hit is the ai thing and it'll go fill in the drummer mm. and then you can go in and play around with what they're actually playing yeah and you could do it section like you could have it maybe in the first verse it's very a little bit softer a little bit more minimal and then as you get past the you know into the second and, and the outro and everything you you change it to where it's getting heavier and harder playing more mm. so or you could just leave it the same through the whole thing that's pretty cool. I, I think they've come a long way with the AI drumming compared to, I remember back in the day I had a boss uh, drum programmer and I had to go in like beat Bad by beat. Those. Yeah. Yeah. And you sit there. It's <laughs> 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 just the sound of that, you know, you, you could spend a lot of time and as much time as you spend in it, it's still going to sound like a, a drum machine mm -hmm. <laughs> no matter yeah. what you do so did you have the one with the 16 pads yep yeah all the pads yeah 
and it had you set up I mean, you could build a whole song in it, but it takes forever. Forever, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't have like a, a USB interface where you could. Oh, no. It's, yeah, none of that kind of stuff. You just. Uh, it was pretty cool, though. I mean, you could. Uh, the, the good thing is you could save the file. Mm-hmm. So you could go back and play it over and over. You just pull that file down and play yeah. it, you know. So that was the cool thing about it. But is still Neanderthal compared to today. Definitely, definitely, yeah. I, uh, but it got us through, you know, got us through some sessions. Oh, yeah. Didn't have a drummer. and I had that thing hooked up to my home stereo at one point because I was using those for monitors. I had surround monitors, yeah. basically. And, um, and I just played the pads for a while. Yeah, you can... that thing somewhere that's but yeah it was it was pretty sophisticated for the time i guess mm-hmm. uh but yeah all those pads and you had to pad li- the library of different types of drums like the ride symbol you get four or five different ride symbols mm-hmm. and uh try to change them up to give it a variety of sound rather yeah. than just the same ding 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 you know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so what have you been working on lately? Um, I started working on uh, just some uh, not doing any guitar synthesizer sounds and stuff. I don't know. Nothing really. Just playing around with different stuff. Mm-hmm. But I hadn't really been doing a whole lot of music. stuff i the biggest thing that i was trying to do is uh, as far as recording goes so um like i haven't really planned on recording the stuff i've been really just messing around with uh, but on my acoustic guitar what i've really been doing is trying to learn dadgad uh the tuning of dadgad yeah. So I got a I got a few books of Celtic songs. Like mm-hmm. most Celtic music on guitar is written in dadgad. Mm-hmm. And so I've been like it's a total mind shift to go from standard tuning into been going through chord charts and just kind of messing around, mm-hmm. uh, learning how to strum your standard chords in a different tuning. Yeah. But I got a I got three books of uh, Celtic music. One is like Irish, one is uh, and then the other two are like just general Celtic songs and stuff, like a lot of Scottish, Welsh songs and stuff. Yeah. So I'm just mainly I've been trying to get into writing uh, or not really learning some different Celtic songs. Yeah, a lot of Led Zeppelin's in that tuning. Yeah, man. Have you seen the documentary with? Uh, um uh the edge jimmy page and i can't think of the other guitarists but there's a there's a documentary where the three of them are just sitting there with their guitars talking about their, each other's music and mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. but yeah that the part where jimmy page is uh playing uh cashmere's and dadgad mm-hmm. okay yeah, so he but he gets up and starts playing cashmere uh 
that was kind of actually the thing that got me kind of interested in. It. I was like, oh, I've never really played around with that tuning very much. And so a, a lot of Celtic artists, you know, like folk, Celtic music, uh, strumming on guitars and dad gad. So I just went and got my guitar and pulled up a chord chart, changed the tuning, started messing around with it. So I think I probably order some song books, actually learn some finger picking and dad gad. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Cool. That's but that's cool. not, I'm not really trying to record it. You know, as far as recording goes, I haven't really been recording much. I yeah. Well, I'm still trying to get control of that that guitar I'm playing, that instrument I'm playing. That's the eight string guitar. <clears throat> it's a uh, it was it's sampled three times, so every note has a lot. Every key has a lot of expressive potential. Um, yeah, and velocity is taken into consideration because you get it a certain way, and and it it's just a a dead note you hit it another way it rings out for a minute you hit it another way it's a pinch harmonic you know <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and and a lot of a lot of fall-off notes where it where it'll go it'll ring open you know like like yeah. say you you, put, you you release the note and then it's just going to ring the open string so and it's it's fast the latency it, but it's a 13 gig file in itself so you know i have to bounce all my tracks down before i do a solo on top of it because it takes up so much resources oh yeah have you, why don't you just get a guitar like money yeah that's all i'm thinking about it thinking about it yeah but every time i start to save money i want to spend it on Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, you could probably go to a pawn shop though and find a decent guitar, just uh, electric guitar to yeah mess around with. Yeah, I won't try. Uh, maybe I will try to get a good interface again. I, I sold the interface I did have; it wasn't doing anything for me. Just sitting. See, I just have a simple little Fender. Like it is literally just one jack plug-in. It mm -hmm. has a, a a dial just for the input. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. uh, the I guess the volume or whatever the signal input. Yeah, and that's it. USB port. So you just plug it into the USB port. Plug your guitar in. It does a good job. You know, how much it's, was it? Oh God, it was like thirty dollars. Get out. No, it's, you can go to like Guitar Center and get one that's like twenty or thirty bucks. You know, I'm, it's I'm just down. a quarter inch jack. That's all you got. It's just something that'll support a quarter inch jack going to a USB port. And it and it's plug and play. It works fine with your with your DAW. So you could plug in the headphone before the processing or you can go up post-processing through your computers mm -hmm. headphone jack but i never use that headphone jack on it ever mm -hmm. always use the headphone jack on the computer yeah but uh but yeah that's all i that's how i plug into my computer to record all my guitar yeah well, this thing i had was i, I dropped a 100 bucks on it it was uh 
pre-saunas. Yeah, yeah, I had one of those too. It has oh, like yes. this is I think it had two quarter inch jacks and two mm -hmm. microphone jacks. So it's yep. four four track. Mm -hmm. And uh that's what I had that was a pre-sonus one for a long time. I used that. But all I was using it for was the same exact thing. I'm just plugging one guitar into one jack on it. Mm -hmm. So the other three channels on it, I never recorded a mic through it. And I wound up getting a Yeti uh, USB microphone. Yeah, I got one right. So, there. yep. So that's what I record any uh, like classical or acoustic guitar stuff through mm -hmm. because it'll get a better signal than trying. Even though like my acoustic guitar I have has a quarter inch jack and a built in EQ on it, mm -hmm. but it doesn't sound near as good as micing recording through a mic, that Agreed. Yeti. And I've, yeah. I've, do you chain effects? for that um if it's the acoustic guitar now my yeah. uh classical guitar i try to get it as pure a sound as possible without too much effects but because right. i recorded uh i the last thing i really recorded was uh a couple of uh duets with mm -hmm. uh classical guitar and cello now the cello part i played on a keyboard and sure. used midi to change it to a cello mm -hmm. But the classical guitar part, I mic through the Yeti microphone. Oh, yeah. I wrote a piece yeah. yesterday. I made it for my wife for her birthday's uh, Monday. And so I was like, oh, here's a good opportunity. And I, I made one. You, I have to put it on this on this cast because it, it kind of sounds like what... It's, it's got some pretty cool parts. It's just... It's, uh, it's all acoustic. And it's got a violin and two acoustic guitars. One doing, oh, that's good. one doing arpeggios and the other doing, um, it was supposed to be melody, but it's a glitch in this acoustic guitar program that I was using for the sound on, on this one, on this track. And what it does is it's, it's hitting dead notes, but instead it comes out doing a percussive number. On the good, oh, that's pretty cool. That you know, uh, California or the Los Angeles Guitar Quartet. They um, Andrew York is the the big name in that quartet. Okay. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with many classical guitars, but um, but it was pretty cool. They these four guys who are all like college, you know, like professional classical guitarists mm -hmm. formed a band. So they they played and and a lot of times one of them will do that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. and when you have four classical guitars it's easy to get all over each other right yeah, yeah. so so one of them is almost playing a bass line in a song while mm -hmm. you know the other two are playing higher stuff but then one of the things that's pretty cool though on several of the songs that what they'll do is they'll take pieces of plastic or metal and put it on the strings above the nut mm -hmm. and like a rattle almost hmm. and they'll play on the body of the guitar and play stuff where it yes. kind of has that rattle it's pretty yes have you seen this um on instagram there's this quarantine quartet they're a flamenco family i think they're like romany gypsies oh that's cool it's, hey, I, there's somebody here right now that I let me okay. call you right back. Okay. All right. I'll pause. Uh, we'll see. All right.
back. <laughs> Sorry about that. Oh, good. I am ready to go now. Shit. I got. Yeah, so uh, what do you want to discuss? What do you want to talk about? Uh, we were going to talk about free will. Talk about the song by Rush? Of course. <laughs> or the crazy doctrine therein. Yeah, do you believe we have free will? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's kind of how I live. I don't, you know, by the seat of my pants for what it's worth. I don't know. It's been a long time since I thought about it, so let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, there's a lot of uh, people who don't believe we have free will. Mm -hmm. Of course, most everybody would think pretty much assumes we do just because, mm -hmm. like you said, that's how you tend to live as if you did. But, uh, um, the, uh, the two biggest, uh, models, if you will, of the universe is determinism and indeterminism, right? Mm -hmm. So in a deterministic world, we wouldn't have free will. Everything is preordained to happen the way it's going to happen. Uh, the universe unfolds along a set course. Even if we limited in ourselves, don't know, the universe overall does only have one predestined path to unfold. Mm -hmm. And some religions like uh, actually assume that, like uh, the uh, uh, Calvinism, mm -hmm. they lived as if, you know, God already knows what's going to happen. So we really don't have a free will. We're just playing out our role. And you just want to be among the chosen that God knows is going to get saved and at the end. Well, you know, also there's a lot of people that will go unsaved. and mm -hmm. They're just predetermined to be condemned to hell. Yeah. Yeah, I've searched that out in in the Bible. I mean, I I got hung up on that one for a while. Just and and it was pretty circular. Pretty circular, I got to admit. Yeah, because if you think like think of it from God's perspective, he knows everything, right? He's omnipotent, mm -hmm. all-knowing, all omniscient, um omnipotent omniscient and omnipresent mm -hmm. so god knowing everything is going to know how you know what you are going to choose to do before you even make the choice mm -hmm. so i mean that's predeterminism right or, yeah. or i'm sorry that's determinism is everything um so now indeterminism though is interesting because then you're you're like having to a lot maybe you're an atheist right and you're just, well the universe and if you look at quantum mechanics indeterminism is a big part of the, the subatomic world 
Mm-hmm. Um, like the quantum wave function collapse yeah. is a pro- probability distribution. So it's not determined. You can't know specifically how a, a system is going to turn out just looking at it. Um, if you could have this, uh, the power to calculate all of the atoms in a given system, you would know how it's going to turn out. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you believe that even if you knew all that, you can't know how it's going to turn out because of quantum, quantum indeterminism. Mm-hmm. Like there's a probability distribution and you could say, that's eh, 90% likely to turn out this way, but there is a, you know, chance that it may not. Uh, so that's a big argument because, you know, Einstein was totally like he rebelled against that. He wanted to believe that there was his famous quote is that uh, he didn't believe that God played dice with the universe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he thought it was just a gap in our understanding that one day we would figure out all the details of quantum mechanics and be able to calculate precisely how a system evolves. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the Copenhagen in- interpretation of quantum mechanics was opposite that. They were the ones who said, well, because of the Schrodinger wave function and it's a probability calculation, then if we take it at face value, then you know, it's, it's not determined. Right. And to, to this day, that is pretty much where we stand with quantum mechanics is that indeterminism is a large part of it. Like you, a system doesn't decide. Are you familiar with uh, Schrodinger's cat? Of course. Yeah. So you don't know how a system actually, it doesn't actually, remember last time we were talking about the difference between uh, potential and actual? Yes. Okay. So. A system doesn't actualize or the wave function doesn't collapse to a actual state until somebody observes it. Yeah. And it's that act of observation that causes it the collapse of the wave function that makes it decide what it is. Mm-hmm. So before that, you can't precisely say what a system looks like or is or what state it's in. It's just potential until you observe it. But what does that mean? Like, you know, who needs to observe it? What is what constitutes observing it? It's a big philosophical question. Yeah. Uh, So uh, the uh, the thing is that both of those theories have huge problems, both determinism and indeterminism. Because think of it this way. If your, if your mind, let's say all of your thoughts were determined, well, then obviously you couldn't have free will, right? You're not right. controlling anything. It's just playing out an algorithm. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if you try to introduce freedom into it and say it's indeterminate, are you really controlling it or is it just chance? So chance also is not free will. It's just whatever random thing causes you to make a decision, right? Yeah. You're not controlling that decision. It's just chance is controlling it. So 
The only way to get out of that philosophical conundrum is a third option, which is self-determinism. So self-determinism means that you're, or the universe is evolving by making decisions. You know, like you, and it's, it's very complicated, but so like, for example, let's say the human mind, like we'll, let's look at it at the subatomic level, then the macro level, like from atoms on up, mm-hmm. and then the global level of like God's perspective. Yeah. So at the, at the subatomic level, if indeterminacy holds and it's just random things happening, there's no real determinism. There. There's no self-determinism, I should say. It's just indeterminate. We know when systems get to a certain level that for all practical purposes, like there's two sets of uh, equations that you can use to predict. There's the, the equations of relativity, which Einstein's breakthrough because of the problems with Newtonian physics. So Isaac Newton had these formulas and you could use Newtonian physics to predict almost everything, right? Mm-hmm. But it had problems. Like when you get to infinitesimally small things like the beginning yeah. of the universe the and discrete. quantum physics. Yeah, yeah. And so that's interesting you say discrete because the, the equivalent in computation is do we live in a discrete universe or do we live in a, um, you know, like the opposite of discrete would be a continuous flow of time and matter is just continuously, you know, and actually we live in a discrete universe. We live in a quantized, you know, step by step universe. It's almost like the pixels of the universe are constantly refreshing at light speed, I mean, it's faster than you can even fathom, then yeah. it's level so small, you can't even fathom the you know subatomic level. But when you look at the universe at that level, it's almost indeterminate uh, how it works. But something is controlling it. But when you get to above the size of an atom, then all those equations of relativity are just superfluous. You know, you don't yeah. need to unless you're dealing with light speed or infinitesimally small or like things that happen in black holes or just these, yeah. you know, extreme boundaries of reality for all practical purposes of how we behave in the normal day to day. You can just use Newtonian physics to calculate mm-hmm, mm-hmm. most everything. So in, in other words, once you get above the atomic level, indeterminism turns into determinism. It like disappears, all that freedom disappears and it becomes pretty much a continuous universe to okay. our perception, you know? Yeah. Even though at the fundamental level, it is a discrete universe. Like a stochastic, uh, what is it? Uh, Staccato. Yeah, stochastic is what they call it. Like, like uh, I follow what you're saying. One after another. Boop, 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 boop. Yeah. Bits, bitwise. Yeah, exactly. Like computational jargon, you know, Mm -hmm. and then. uh, But at the whole, if you look at the universe as a whole, it's self-contained, right? Mm -hmm. So really, what is the universe doing to itself or how is reality behaving? It's self-determinism. It's 
it's causing its own states and changes and permutations and evolution and everything. So at, at the global level, so now humans also, I think, behave in that same way of self-determining. We have, if you looked at the behavior going from an inanimate object up through all the different levels of animals and even AI up to a human, you can see the slow progression of like a rock, totally deterministic, doesn't have any control over its environment. And then you get to maybe cellular organisms and plants who have very limited freedom. But as you get up to like, um, you know, dogs, cats, uh, higher mammals, uh, dolphins, octopus, raven, these animals, or even things like a thermostat or the way that they're operating on constant feedback from the environment. Yeah. So their, their, their changes are governed by whether it be instinct or, you know, external pressures on them or encounters with things in the environment that push them to behave a certain way. Their free will is very limited. They're not making like higher brain calculations of self-determinism, but they are have way more freedom than a rock, right? Right. <laughs> So you, just by looking at that mapped over that span, you can see it's a gradual thing. It's not a sudden shift. Mm. It's another discrete stepwise thing that where you eventually get up to uh, higher intelligence, where we have these refined things of like, for example, we can extrapolate, hey, uh, the last time I touched a stove, I have memory that's, you know, I store in my memory how that felt, how that hurt, how that yeah. burned. And so the next time I see the same situation or parameters that I encounter in the environment, I can already assume that I need to behave a certain way to prevent what I, you know, a goal that I might have. So it's, it's not just feedback, it's feed forward. Yeah. And so that's how self-determinism works. We make decisions based off of all these other factors that we are able to cogitate about, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think in the same way, the universe operates that way, right? The, as a whole, the universe is like evolving. And so then, then you look at it across time though. Does the future actually exist somehow? Does God, is God able to see the future and know? See, and I believe that no. There is no, you know, God doesn't actually know the future or the universe doesn't know its own future. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because the act of observing it would cause it to actualize. Mm. Oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. If, if the unit, if God somehow were able to look into the future and see it, then it would suddenly actualize up to that point. So maybe in a, in a way, the universe is in the process of actualizing through the actual process of, <laughs> you, know, um, okay. you know, who experience the universe and bring it into being as time flows. Okay. Kind of sounded like a secret <laughs> here. <laughs> 
But I mean, uh, think about it this way. Uh, if you take the book of Genesis, right? How did, mm. how did uh, Adam and Eve were put in the garden? Uh, Adam was told not to, you know, mess with the. He could have free reign over everything in the garden except for the tree of knowledge and the, you know, knowledge of good and evil and all that. Mm-hmm. Then the devil tempted Eve. She supposedly, you know, tricked Adam into eating the fruit, even though he knew he shouldn't. And, you know, here we are, right? Right. Where'd you go? Hold on. Uh-oh. I got to get that call. But, um, real quick, so then what you have, though, is uh, if God truly had, four, you know, like knew what was going to happen, why did he even set up that situation? Why, why would he do that to humanity? Like he knew beforehand what all this, what that would entail. Yeah. That makes God, it paints him to be just an asshole, right? Yeah. He knew beforehand what all was going to happen with that. Why would he even put them in that situation? If he knew what was going to happen. <laughs> right mm-hmm. it yeah. makes no sense when you look at it from that you know the idea of foreknowledge and everything yeah but, so i don't know i believe that the universe is actually evolving and and given the state of the universe and if if you say if you call it god if you will everything mm-hmm. God's ability to see the future may just extend to a short amount of time past the actual wave collapse. Like, you may not know exactly how that wave's going to collapse because it's a probability distribution, but given the state of everything in the universe, it's pretty sure it's going to evolve a certain way, right? And that, that's a foreknowledge to a certain extent, but still knowing, you know, 200 years down the road, Man, because of the butterfly effect, it can go many, many, many different ways. Mm-hmm. I don't think God has the ability to see out that far, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. I see what you're but saying. But in the, in the, in the micro-immediate future, yeah, he's pretty much set things up to happen a certain way. But I just don't. I don't think because to, to me to know the future if he knows what you're going to choose before you choose it you don't really have free will circular, right yeah the track so how can circular track yeah how can you have and then why would god do that why would he create a universe with beings in it that think they have free will but in reality don't because he knows automatically beforehand everything you're going to choose and you can say well I have free will because I don't know, but even if God knows, but that makes no sense when you really look at it because just one big cosmic drama to God's knowledge of what's going to happen. Yeah. You can't deviate from his knowledge. You have to choose what he knows you're going to choose. So where's the freedom in that? And if you could choose differently than what he knows you'll choose or probably going to choose, then again, he doesn't have foreknowledge. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> that, that's why I think the the question of free will is a it's a it's a brain twister really when you sit down and look at all of it. I think the only way out of all the paradoxes and everything is just to think that well, yes, God may be all knowing about the immediate future or what's happening right now, but in the distant future. No, because that doesn't make sense, you know. Does it just paints a universe that is just pointless? <laughs> it's a pointless universe. <laughs> yeah. I always uh, like how thermodynamics conveniently captured. Um, free will in the form of a entropy, basically. Mm -hmm. Your delta G, all the free will in the universe, or all the free energy in the universe just accounted, accounted for in, in one variable. I know, that's... And, but yeah, at the same time, you have to say, where does all the structure and all the organization and all that come from it would be so much easier if entropy was the end of the story for the universe just to be a mass of neutral energy right mm -hmm. just but yet we see all this grand structure and all you know so much order and and all you know like the laws of nature themselves it's funny because you say entropy but it's a law itself is something that it shouldn't be <laughs> the law of the second law of thermodynamics is a law that dictates structure and order which it shouldn't be it should right. not exist right by its own definition so <laughs> And, uh, you know, I guess at the distant future, they, that's one of the predictions. When you look at, uh, what's, what's the, oh, eschatology. Eschatology is the study of the end of the, <laughs> the world, end times, right? Yes. The end time. So at the end, they think that eventually all the matter, all the energy, all the heat will basically, the, the universe will go into this infinite cooling phase. You know, or not infinite, it's finite, but it will last for a long time, right? Just constantly yeah. being a neutral nothing exists except the burning embers of the dying heat of the universe until it finally just cools to nothingness um so i don't that's the end view for most cosmologists and everything unless you take a like the yo-yo where at some point all the matter will collapse back in you have another big bang like this yo-yo model of big bang to mm. gets a certain size and, but there's no nothing to account for what would cause it to all collapse it'll just keep expanding until it all cools and burns out um, based off of the measurements of everything right now they try to invoke dark matter to hopefully say you know that well with enough dark matter, whatever the hell that is, <laughs> there's it, it generates enough gravity that at some point it'll all collapse again. But that's just theories, you know. Yeah. 
But Frank Tipler, his his thing is that what we need to do is engineer it to collapse. So at some point, AI will take over where humans leave off, and we'll have this. Uh, it's like the pretty much the universe itself will be engineered to be a giant supercomputer, mm-hmm. and we can control its expansion and call and engineer it to collapse back in on itself. So I don't know. It's, stuff but if you read his book he makes a compelling argument using physics and you know a lot of formulas and stuff so Mm -hmm. i don't know i've been i've been pondering the simulation uh theory since we talked about it last and that that would be interesting if mankind were just um based on quantum probability, the one, I guess, race that would evolve to produce AI that would... Yeah, given all the amount of space and it's crazy when you look at how big the universe is and the chances that we would be the only intelligent race to evolve out of the entire universe is... Right. (laughs) That stretches the imagination there too. Oh well, yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. Elon Musk, though, he believes it. Uh, I think uh, um, maybe uh, there's a few other prominent. Who is it? Uh, the uh, astrophysicist. Uh, Tyson, uh, Degrassi, Degrassi Tyson. Yeah, I think he believes it too. I'm not sure. I think, he, but he puts a strong belief in the simulation theory. But still, that that that, that if you take that, it still raises the question of well, who is the original simulator race, right? Or you know, engineering race, and they have to exist in a universe where they evolved or or did you know, how how that tower of turtles how far back does it go to get to the original and so i don't know it's <laughs> it's crazy to think about Well, hey, man, I, uh, how long have, have we been talking? Total. Um, total? Or the other? It don't tell me. It doesn't tell me until it's done. I don't see a clock. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah we may have to reconvene. Uh, I don't know yeah. if you can make an episode out of this or not. But oh, I can. Yeah. Because I need to get going to go get uh, the kids. They only have a half day today. So. Yeah. Yeah, I got to get to work, too. But maybe next time we'll talk some politics and the current state of affairs. I would love to. I would love to. How some of this view of reality uh, fits into where we are as a species. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. All All right, right, man. Well, 
Yeah, keep making music. I will. I'll keep sending it. Yeah, I like. I enjoy listening to all, all the different. Uh, I, that's the one thing is like you have a lot of variety and areas you take your music. I think like like one piece of music may be a slow evolution of music, but from one piece to the next, they're very different. You know. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I like is variety. That. Yeah. All right. All right, man. Peace I'll out. holler at you later. All, All right, right, man. Bye.